I think that the reason it is has been such a loving experience for me most of the time is that because of that communication I mentioned, like you have to talk through things, whether you're, whether you're a part of the couple or you're the third. Welcome to another episode of Dear Men. Really excited about this one. We actually haven't covered this topic yet, and I think it's a really important one, both when it comes to sex and when it comes to relationships. So I'm super thrilled to have my good friend Mindy here, who is a freelance photographer in Austin and who was my roommate for a number of years. Um, We bonded heavily over many things in the house, including (laughs) sex and dating. So welcome to the podcast, Mindy. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Me too. This is a topic I've been wanting to do for a while, and I imagine I'll do more than one episode, so it'll be interesting to see how we start out and where we go and um, uh, just all the things that come up, because I think I'm going to have other guests also address the same topic. So yeah, so today we're talking about life beyond monogamy. So you know, all of the constellations of things that exist beyond just, I'm with you, you're with me. We don't ever like look at other people and we sort of pretend that we're never attracted to anyone else, (laughs) 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 which I feel like in some ways is, you know, how monogamy works in, in, in the mainstream idea of it. Um, so I'm super interested in hearing about your story of how you sort of went from, because I think you were sort of in that kind of traditional paradigm to not being in that traditional paradigm. So how how did that sort of come about? Oh gosh, that is years worth of stories. But um, you know, I, you're right. I did um, start out very very traditionally. Um, I got married fairly young. Um, I was 23, married someone I met in college, um, and I did. Uh, I was with that person for seven years, married for four. So. Um, that was mm, years ago, obviously I'm a little bit older now, (laughs) but, um, you know, I think that marriage is something that we, in society, it's, it's the ultimate goal for a lot of people. Um, and we're taught that, and I reached that so young, um, you know, with the same person from the time I was 20 years old and, um, yeah, you know, we, we, I just think that getting married that young, there was a lot of growing I needed to do, um, a lot I didn't know about myself. And I think the first sort of step along that journey was realizing um, the difference that comes in growing by yourself and when you are in a relationship. And I think that at 27, um, when I when I got divorced, there was a lot of growing I had never done, um, which is not to say that you can't grow in a marriage. Um, but there was a lot of just personal growth and like things I didn't know about myself, both sexually and not sexually, um, at 27 that I just, I felt very behind and that was kind of what led to my divorce. Um, so that's step one. I don't know if you have any questions around that. I'm I'm super curious about that part of like the things Mm -hmm. that you didn't know about yourself. Um, can you say a little more, like, what are like a couple things that jump out in terms of 
what you didn't know about yourself while you were married that you learned while you weren't married? Okay. Well, the first, um, just a very basic, just a very basic thing I think is I had never lived alone. Um, I'm the oldest of five children. I have 14 cousins. I had roommates. Then I lived, um, sophomore year of college, I moved in with my ex-husband. And so I had never lived alone. I never knew what it was like to have a space to myself. And it just, um, I don't know. I think those moments at one o'clock in the morning when you're alone in your house, I, I just think you learn so much about, um, who you are and how you move in a space. Um, and then more specifically, just sexually, I mean, I, I don't know about, about the rest of the world, but when you grow up in a very small town and in a very conservative area, um, by the time you're 19, you haven't had a lot of sexual partners and to have the same one from 19 to 27, um, you know, there's that, that old saying, (laughs) if you don't know what you like, you can't tell your partner what you like. And I think that was a huge, a huge thing for me. Um, it's just not even knowing what I wanted and needed sexually. Um, and, uh, again, let's say you can't find that with one person, but for me, that was, it wasn't working. Um, and needing to meet other people and experience other people, um, and find out not just what I like, but what I don't like. I mean, I think you learn <laughs> a lot about what you don't want by experiencing it. And you go, oh, nope, I'll take that off the list. Yeah. Um, so I think those are, those are the two biggest things. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, um, that's really interesting. I like what you said about, um, how you move in a space. I think that's pretty mm-hmm. profound. Like just what, what are you like when you're not in relationship with someone else? Exactly. There's this one, there's this one wonderful scene in Sex and the City. I know you'd appreciate that I'm quoting Sex and the City, but um, <laughs> there's a scene where Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw um, is lamenting to the rest of the, the women that she's living with this guy. And sometimes she just wants to come home, stand in her kitchen and put grape jelly on a salting cracker and eat it. And she feels like she can't do that when there's someone else in the house. And of course she could. But that's kind of what I mean about like learning how you move through through a space. Like sometimes you just want to do something odd, and when you live by yourself, you can do that. <laughs> Absolutely, and not and not worry about being <laughs> like you can. Right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, uh, would you say that sex was one of the reasons that you guys ended the marriage? I would. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say it was one of the reasons. Um, we ended the marriage specifically. It wasn't as if it was bad or there was anything lacking. It was a pretty big indicator to me that I, that I hadn't grown fully as a person because you can point to all these other ways, you know, I I could point to all these other ways I felt like I hadn't grown and I could find ways to make that happen within the marriage. Sex was the one thing I was like, well, mm, I guess I can't, I guess that's something I'm never going to know about myself. And we were young and the the concept of an open marriage wasn't even wasn't even remotely on the table um for either of us it wasn't even something i had thought about as a possibility um at that time in my life so 27 this was 7 years ago at that time in my life open marriages i thought of them as this thing people do as a last resort to save their marriage i never it never occurred to me that it was just a happy way of moving through a marriage. Um, so that wasn't something that was even on the table. So I wouldn't say that sex was a problem or was the reason we ended the marriage. But I, when we ended the marriage, I soon realized after that this was one of the biggest ways I had to grow. Interesting. Say more about that. Like, did so you- sort of a hindsight is, 
sort of a hindsight is twenty twenty kind of thing. Right. So you didn't realize it at the time, but after you were out of the marriage, you were like, wow, this is an area that I like needed to learn a lot in. Yeah. I didn't know what I didn't know. And did you feel sexually liberated when you ended the marriage or when you were unmarried, you know, anymore? (laughs) That is probably the best phrase I could think of, uh, liberated. Yeah. I, um, I went, yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I went through a phase for a couple of years, uh, when I first became single again at 27 single for the first time since I was, you know, 19, um, definitely went through a phase and my friends were like, we can't figure out what your type is because every guy you go out with is different from, it's like totally different from the last. And yeah, I was just so excited to be experiencing something new and, and new people that I, I just, yeah, the freedom was it felt like there was something sitting on my chest and I didn't know it was there. And then it was, it was gone. And to be able to decide who and when and where was not something I'd ever experienced. So yeah, liberation was the perfect word for it. And as you were going, as you were moving through that, were you like actively kind of, um, did you like not want monogamy? Were you like, I don't really want to commit. Like I'm just waiting. Like I want to, I kind of want to see the buffet of what's out there. And I don't really, I don't want a boyfriend. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it was a funny kind of dichotomy, I guess, because, you know, when I was going through my divorce, I saw a therapist for the first time in my life. Um, and God, you ever have your first, therapy experience. You're like, why wasn't I doing this my whole life? Um, but I, you know, I, I had this huge fear when I was going through my divorce that I would never find a partner again, that somehow in my, in my 27 year old brain, I thought, Oh, 27, everyone else is just now getting married and I'm getting divorced. I'll never find a partner again. And then when I actually got divorced, I didn't want one. I knew I would want one down the road. Um, but I was, yeah, I was just so a boyfriend was furthest thing from my mind. Um, I was just very happy to be single and making my own decisions and, and not really having to answer to anybody. Um, which even in the best of relationships, that's what you're doing. You know, you're, you're answering and they're, they're answering to you and it's, it's good, but it was, yeah, it wasn't what I was looking for. So tell me, yeah. So tell me about what you learned, you know, about yourself in, in terms of sexuality from having that experience. Cause you were sort of going through lots of different um, kinds of people are you, do you identify as, as hetero? Uh, no, I, I identify as bisexual and this is, um, a place I haven't felt comfortable. I wasn't comfortable, um, something I wasn't comfortable naming until about, uh, not even two years ago, I would say about two years ago. Um, so, you know, I think what I learned in those, because I, you know, when I came, when I first got divorced, I was, I was single for about, about two years, maybe a little less than two years before I started dating someone seriously again. Um, and I definitely learned, I think I, I learned, I like variety, um, and kind of didn't really like being, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of a, a, an innocuous word that means, uh, tied down. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of one. Um, I'm like trying to be very PC. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely learned that I don't, I don't like being told what to do at all, um, sexually or non-sexually. So 
I, I think I learned that having that freedom to to flirt and to not feel as if even even in a relationship, not feel as if I have to tamp down my sexuality. Um, it's something I was I was kind of letting out there for the first time. So um, I learned that I I like flirtatious like like I like I like flirtatious behavior, and even in the context of a relationship, um, I like to have that freedom. And jealousy is something I'm I'm not a fan of <laughs> at all. Yeah, I mean, I think what you just said is so is so common in terms of like, I think a lot of us experience that of we get into a relationship and then we feel like we have to tamp down our sexuality with any other than that partner. Like this is now the person that you are allowed to flirt with or have sex Mm -hmm. with or touch or anything. And every single other person in the world is off limits. Mm -hmm. So exactly is you did, you were like, I don't like that. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I, and I think realizing that was what drew me to, um, to the man I started dating, um, you know, a couple of years after I, I got divorced. Um, um, this is the person who you, you know, when we, when you and I lived together and, and when we kind of knew each other and we're in the, the same time zone, um, this is, you know, the person you knew and we dated for about four years. And I think, I think what drew me to him was we were sort of on the same, in the same mindset with that regard. You know, when we, when we first started dating, neither of us were looking for um, a committed or even an exclusive relationship. And, you know, for the first six plus months, we were seeing each other while seeing other people. And it was a dynamic that really worked for me. Um, it felt like I could get to know this person and feel a little more connected to this person, but it didn't preclude me from experiencing other people. And that was such a wonderful set up for me. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And, you know, as, but as time went on, we just, um, we just started realizing we were spending most of our time together and I hadn't had a serious, uh, exclusive relationship other than my ex-husband. So it was something I wanted to try again now that I felt I knew a little more about myself and was really drawn to this person. Um, and he didn't make me feel like I said, like I had to tamp down my sexuality or like I had you know, not a jealous bone in his body. So I felt like I wanted to try quote monogamy with this person. And so, you know, we had that conversation and we sort of uh, closed off our relationship to other people and, and did that monogamous thing for, for a minute. <laughs> um, so that was, that was kind of a cool experience to, to realize that what you don't like is, you know, monogamy and then you might you meet someone who feels the same way and then you end up being monogamous. <laughs> um and there's a lot more to that story, but I'm you know going off on some tangents. So well but I think what you said is is meaningful, which is it's about it like it might be about the the freedom to have the choice. So that mm-hmm. if, you, if you both want the freedom to have the choice and then you're choosing to close the relationship that's different from Mm -hmm. fault or like well we have to close the relationship because we're sleeping together like instead of that it's exactly choice yeah absolutely and i mean at at the time when you know this was still god four years ago um maybe, maybe even more than that i don't even think i was 30 yet when he and i started dating a little more seriously um but uh yeah, you know, we, we, and I, I say we, we did 
monogamy for a while. We did monogamy for the entirety of our relationship. There was just kind of like a monogamy plus. Um, <laughs> um, and, and I think by that, I mean, you, you know, you'd asked a question earlier and whether I identify as hetero. And I think I know kind of where you were asking, why you were asking that and where you're wanting that to go. And um, the monogamy, monogamish, I guess, to borrow a Dan Savageism, and I'm really psyched that it's been 20 plus minutes into this podcast. And this is the first time I've quoted Dan Savage because I could do it all day. Um, <laughs> but but <laughs> I think that our relationship, a lot of people would define it as monogamish. And by that, I mean, um, we did open up the relationship to um, sleeping with other women um, in the context of, I guess, you know, you call them threesomes. Um, but threesomes playing together, whatever, whatever term you want to use. But, you know, that did come about in the context of our relationship. And that was such a wonderful experience the first time it happened. Um, and then it happened again and then it happened again. And after a while, I think that I had to be really honest with myself and, you know, I, I did identify as bisexual and it wasn't something I felt comfortable with just because I felt like, I had this idea that bisexuality meant that you, you know, you had to have had a girlfriend at some point. And, 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 and I don't think that's the case. There, there are levels and there's the Kinsey scale and all that, but, but yeah, that, that willingness to be, to kind of circle back that willingness to be free with our sexuality or in, in just in, in, in common spaces and like going to parties. And I had friends who would tell us, gosh, we didn't even realize you were dating because you guys go to parties and you kind of just zoom away from each other and you're both very social and you flirt with other people. And I always liked that. And I think that was what led to us sleeping with a woman for the first time and then realizing it was something we really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, I think when you, you can experience that within the context of monogamy, if both partners trust each other and equally enjoy experiencing other people, it's kind of an organic and natural path to threesomes um yeah that's and then for some people uh, yeah good oh well I was just gonna say um it sounds like I mean I would love to hear more about how how it did happen the first time because it sounds like it kind of just happened (laughs) at least that's how it sounds (laughs) instead of like hey let's talk about this I would love to have this experience like where are you what do you think like how are you feeling about it? it like it Yes. How it happened or was it more like, you know? Yeah, I definitely don't mean to imply that it just happened because my God, nothing like that just happens. At least not, at least not in the context of a communicative and healthy relationship. We absolutely talked about it before it happened. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, because, you know, I say that neither of us were jealous people, but that, but sexual jealousy rears its head when you least expect it. And if you do care about someone, you know, those, those things can pop up. And I think it is important if that's something you're considering, um, trying in a relationship, I do think it's important to talk and talk and talk and then talk again. Um, in our situation, there was, um, there was a woman, um, who was a somewhere between acquaintance and friend, I would call her a friend. And, she identified as bisexual and, um, you know, we had been dating, he and I had been dating for, I would say about a year at this point, but she had made it, um, her interest in an attraction to me pretty clear. Um, 
at parties and at, you know, places where we all were together, um, you know, after a few drinks, we'd get to chatting and there was some flirt, some flirting there. And, um, after she'd made it very clear that she was attracted to me and interested in me, um, you know, he and I kind of had that conversation and what does that look like? Um, is, is this a possibility? And fortunately for both of us, we were on the same page and it was something that we pretty quickly were <laughs> realized we were both definitely like up for. And, um, I would say at that point, um, just having a conversation about boundaries within, within the experience, um, is also important. And, and that looks different for different people, like what they're comfortable with. Um, but that's, but that's how it happened. Um, it took a very wonderful, beautiful, um, amazing woman who I still, um, care about very much and still, still talk to a lot to kind of nudge us into that. And like, she's also so incredibly hot. So like, um, still to this day, like so grateful to this woman for being that first experience for me. Um, and like, God, I wish everyone's first experience was as positive as ours or our first threesome experience, I should say was as positive as ours. Um, because it was a nice slow and, and, and chatty move into that. Um, so that was kind of how it came about. Yeah. Someone else planted the seed in our minds. I want to take you back to that, to the original conversation. Like, I'm wondering like who, Mm -hmm. who brought it up? Cause I think that's something that some people feel anxious about. Like if I even bring up the idea of a threesome with my partner, will they think that I'm weird? Will they think that I don't like them? Like that they're not enough. Like, did you have any of those thoughts or feelings and who was the one who brought it up? Oh, interesting. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Um, Honestly, I think he brought it up. Um, if my memory is correct, uh, I think there was one night in particular that she and I were chatting and being very flirty. And, you know, I certainly don't condone like having too much to drink and then having sex, but I absolutely condone having a few drinks and flirting with a pretty girl. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and I think later on when he and I went home, he commented, like, wow, you guys were being really flirty. Is there something there? Are you interested in her? Or however it came about, like whatever the words were, I, I believe it was it was him who pointed out, like, this is kind of flirting on a different level than I've seen before. Is there something there? Um, which, so I think that's kind of how it happened. And, and like I said, uh, it was something I was interested in and he was interested in. And it took like her kind of being a little bit persistent and making it very clear that it was something she was interested in for it, for it to happen. But I think he planted the initial seed of, wait, this could actually be a thing, right? Of course it was the guy. <laughs> so, um, but it was in the context of, you seem like you might want this. Do you want this? Um, so I think that's how it came about for us, if I remember correctly. Totally. And you, and you mentioned something else incredibly important, which is boundaries during mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. your encounter, especially when you're with, um, yeah a partner. I mean, it's important all the time, but let's stick with this threesome, uh, theme. So I know Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. a number of people who've played with another and, and just for the context of this conversation, so people don't get confused when we say play, we usually mean sexual play. So when, uh, Mm -hmm. other couples who, when they're playing with a third partner, third person, um, they, they have the rule that intercourse is off limits. So for mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. they're, they're only, um, 
they're only allowed to have intercourse with each other, but everything else is on the table. Is, is that the kind of yeah. that you guys were, were going through is like, which specific things are we comfortable with seeing you do yep. with her, seeing me do with her? That is, that is exactly what I meant by boundaries. And those are exactly the conversations we had. And it's, it's kind of funny you know, we had those conversations and my, that's a very common boundary, the no, no intercourse with the third person. And that was my boundary when we, when we first discussed it. And then in the moment, feeling very comfortable with this person, um, feeling not, I think, I think that the the boundary around intercourse is this fear. And a lot of the time it, it comes from the woman in the relationship. And I think it's this fear that, uh, that you will react badly to seeing your partner with another woman. And that if intercourse is off the table, you always have that, 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 that you share that the two of you share that she doesn't. Um, and you can, you can very easily feel threatened by the third person. So that was the boundary I had set. And then in the moment realizing I didn't feel threatened by this person, I was feeling very comfortable, sort of like very, <laughs> I just kind of took that boundary off the table in the moment. Um, which is, a, I, I think I, I would argue probably happens a fair bit. Like you set the boundary and then as the experience is happening and you start feeling more comfortable, you kind of re reassess your boundaries in the moment. And I think that that can be okay. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that because I think part of the, the boundary setting conversation before the encounter is to help both people feel safe and feel like, you know, you've got my back, I've got your back, like we're in this together and here's what I'm comfortable with. Um, but like you said, if during the encounter you're not feeling threatened or you're not feeling like you need that particular boundary to feel safe, then of course you can change your mind, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's, you know, coming from let's say the person who had set the boundary in the first place, like if the other person pushing it, that's different. But if it's the person who said it, who's actually like, you know what, actually I'm feeling pretty turned on. I think it'd be kind of cool to see you with someone else. Like let's do it. Mm -hmm. Then that feels safe. Absolutely. And that was a, that was a, that was a journey as well. Um, You know, you, you go from, I think like seeing your partner with someone else, it went from, something I was afraid of to something that definitely became a turn on. And, and what's the, um, the, the word compersion, um, which is such a terrible word for such a wonderful thing. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it actually becomes a turn on to see your partner enjoying someone else, but, but even more someone else enjoying your partner. Um, Mm. so that was also kind of an interesting journey, um, in the couple of years when we were, you know, with other women. Yeah. And just, for the audience, the word compersion refers to um, when it feels good to see your partner ha- having fun with someone else. So in the context of poly, whether that's, you know, sexually speaking or some other way, compersion is like, oh, they're having fun or they're feeling good or they're experiencing pleasure and mm-hmm. joy of seeing your partner experience pleasure with someone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well said. And it's a wonderful feeling and it's, it's, it's tough because it's you've conversion and jealousy are two sides of the same coin, I think. And so it, it, it takes kind of moving through and like pushing through your sexual jealousy, not necessarily getting rid of it, but pushing through your sexual jealousy to be able to come out on the other side, which is enjoying seeing your partner with someone else and seeing their, their pleasure and things like that. So and did definitely you, a journey. Did you guys, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that journey. Like, did you have 
conversations after, did you ever feel jealous of other women? Did he ever feel jealous? Um, like, what was your experience around that? Um, I don't, I don't think I would say I ever felt jealous of other women. Um, I think there, I think with the, with the conversion, there was, there was literally just a moment when it went from, (laughs) I think there was a moment when it went from me like, okay, wait, like checking, kind of checking in with myself during the experience. And I think that sidebar, that's very important to constantly check in with how you're feeling um, and not tamp it down. Um, Because if you're feeling jealous or anxious, like that will come out later in the relationship. So I think it went from throughout the experiences, like enjoying them while they were happening, but constantly checking in, making sure I was still okay with everything. There was a moment when it just kind of flipped and I was like watching him with this specific woman. And I was like, whoa, I kind of forgot he's really good at sex. (laughs) like, Like I knew he was good at sex, but it was like something you forget because you're with this person and, and pretty much only them. And then you see them with someone else and you see someone else enjoying them and you're like, whoa, I forgot he's really good at this. And it's like this great feeling. Um, and I don't know, I, I lost the thread because kind of remembering that experience and it got sidetracked. So, <laughs> um, that was worth but, it. Though. That was yeah, really sweet. <laughs> but I think that, that, that was the flip. I, so, oh, your question was, do I ever, did I ever get jealous? No. Um, I think there was, there was one woman who we were a little more close with, like saw regularly. Um, and I think that not during the experience itself, but, um, there were a few moments like seeing them together out socially. Um, and just feeling that little twinge in the back of my head, like, Hmm, like, you know, you see, you, I think the fear when you're having, these experiences and playing with other people, the fear is, Oh, is all of a sudden my partner going to like this third person more than they like me? That is the, that is the biggest fear. And I think when you see them non-sexually together, that almost can feel more dangerous than the experience itself when you're there and you're experiencing it with them. So I wouldn't say ever felt jealous, but there were a couple moments where I, you know, I felt a little nervous, but I think that's good. I think that, I think that that kind of proves how much you care about your partner. and so that, you, that that was that's the extent of it. Did you talk to him about that? Like, did you have a conversation? I did. Oh, you did. And and was it like, hey, I did. A little like anxious. <laughs> like, how did? Yeah, you- I think it was actually. Yeah, I think I think it was actually a <laughs> something so innocuous. I think it was a Facebook Messenger chat that just the two of them were on, and it was. I think he had mentioned I was messaging this person. And normally wouldn't have given it a second thought, but because we slept together, my response was, why are you messaging her? Not, like, why am I not? Under-? Which, which is ridiculous. Like it was so innocuous, but my, my, my girlfriend jealousy, like hair stood up on end. And, um, so I was like, you know, while we're, you know, j- just so you know, this is something that made me feel a little vulnerable. Um, so maybe in the future, if, there's someone we've slept with, just keep that in the back of your mind that it's going to make me feel a little vulnerable if you're spending a lot of time with just them. And he totally understood and it was never an issue again. But like I said, we're both very social people. And if we hadn't slept with this person, I never would have given it a second thought. Like I don't have that level of jealousy, but, but yeah, like when you have that experience with someone, all of a sudden you, there's, there's a little, uh, they're on your radar a little more, I guess. 
I really love what you just said, because I think there's a big difference between coming to your partner with like, God, why are you like, why are you talking to her? You know that we slept together. Like you should know this versus like, Hey, this kind of made me feel vulnerable and I wanted you to know. Um, and that's probably going to happen in the future too, because you're owning your experience. Like this is me and this is my feeling about it instead of this is your fault and you should know better. Like, I think there's something, um, you know, everyone that I know that plays with other people and has invited um, some kind of non-monogamy into their relationship has said that communication is massively important. But I think it's this kind of communication that they're talking about of actually sharing, like I'm feeling anxious, feeling a little vulnerable, or like I felt a little jealous. Like, <laughs> let's talk about it. Yeah. Instead of an attacking conversation. Hundred percent, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work without communication. And I've heard this from couple after couple after couple who I know who are in open marriages or, or in open long-term relationships that you just, you just can't do it if you don't talk. Um, and, and it's not just a, an initial talk. It's consistently checking in with each other and being able to share when you feel the unpleasant feelings too, like the jealousy or the discomfort. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Communication is at the heart of all of this. And and what I really like about that story too, is I feel like you were met there. You were met there. Like you were say, I kind of was feeling kind of vulnerable. This sort of came up for me and he, and he could meet you there. He could really be with you in that, hear you understand and, and basically take action because of that, because it doesn't work if the person shares vulnerably and the other person is like, well, you shouldn't be, everything's fine. Like if they shut, if they shut no. the conversation down, 100%. that also doesn't work. Like both partners have to meet each other in like, here's how I'm feeling and, and be met there. Absolutely. And it takes both sides, not, not just meeting your partner um, where they are, but the, the partner, you know, me, the person with the, with the problem, expressing it in a calm and non-accusatory way. I mean, I, I yeah, I just think trying to, what, what is the expression? Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I use this expression all the time and I'm blanking. Um, assume good intention. Oh yeah. And I think that, I think that in the context of open relationships or even monogamous relationships, um, assuming that the other partner wants your happiness and, and doesn't, it isn't trying to pull one over on you. Those are important things to assume because if you ever don't assume good intentions from your partner, it probably shouldn't be in an open relationship. Um, you have to have, there has to be some trust there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so, okay. So you have a monogamish relationship with this man for uh, years. I would say then, years. Yeah. Yeah. And then tell me about your journey after that. Like what, where did you go from there? It sounds like you're, you're, um, it sounds like one of the transitions you made is like owning your, um, bisexuality more. Because before yeah. it was like happening, but you weren't quite like, yeah, this is part of who I am. This is, mm-hmm. it, would you think that that's one of the transitions you made? 
Um, yes, I, I would say so. Um, and to be clear, when I, when I, when I said I was afraid of owning it, it has absolutely nothing to do with, you know, having an issue with bisexuality. Um, I mean, I honestly, I mean, (laughs) my sister's bisexual. Um, I, 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 I guess I felt like I wasn't bisexual enough to own it. Like I hadn't had enough experiences to own that, um, that title, I guess. So hundred percent, not about shame or anything, anything like that. Just, I felt like I, I needed to make sure this is how I identified before I started growing, you know, the, the, the word bisexual around. Um, but I would say so. I think in, in our relationship, um, I started realizing that this was more than just a fun thing to do, that it was something I like being with women was something I actually craved and wanted more of. Um, and so we ended up, uh, I ended up moving to Austin, Texas, where I live now. I've lived here about a year. So, um, we, you know, we didn't do the long distance. And so that relationship ended and being, so no, for the past year or so being single again, um, has freed me up to, to experience, to, to like play in that space a little more and experience women more, which I absolutely have done. Um, and feel much more comfortable and happy in that, in that space. Um, and, and, and being open about being bisexual. I think that my experiences inside a relationship and, and, and having playing with another person and having, I really hate the word threesomes. I think that's why I'm rambling because I hate, I hate the expression threesomes. It is what they're called, but, um, it just has this like, American pie, like raunchy nineties movie connotation to it. Um, so I think that's why I'm dancing around the word, but, um, having that experience inside a relationship made me really curious when I became single about what it would be like to have that experience as the third, um, which is a wholly different experience and one that I've like thoroughly enjoyed being single. Um, so yeah, but very, very, very different. Um, yeah, can you tell pause. me about that? Because I think it's really interesting. Like, um, I, you know, I have been a third. I've never had a threesome or played with other people. We can use that phrasing, whatever you're comfortable with. I've never played with other people w- within the context of a relationship. I've only been the third. I've never done it the other way. Ah, interesting. I'm super curious okay. to hear what your experience, like what the contrast was for you um, between those two? I think the biggest thing I noticed, um, and, and this is, (laughs) this is a good thing that you can, that I think I, you can take too far, um, which I'll come back to, but I think the biggest thing I learned was going from being the, the woman, the girlfriend to being the third, I brought with me a lot of empathy and, and concern for the girlfriend. So in most of my experiences, like when, when I first started becoming the third, it was me constantly checking in with the girlfriend and constantly communicating with the girlfriend and like trying to be really in tune to her feelings, especially if it was a couple who'd never done anything like this before. Um, and I think, I think that's really important. And, and that, that was super helpful to me because my biggest fear, um, when I became single and was playing in this space, my biggest fear was that I would do something 
to make another woman feel uncomfortable or unsafe or, or God, worst case scenario, hurt a relationship, um, which is not to put all the, all the, the responsibility on that on the third, because uh, like I said, like I said before, uh, communication between the couple is really important, but my, my biggest fear was still like, I was going to do something to hurt a relationship. And I think threesomes should be a thing that makes the relationship stronger. I mean, that's what it did for mine. So that was my biggest fear in, in being the third was, was I going to hurt another woman? Um, so, but that's a, but that's a good fear to have, I think. And when I say I took it a little too far, I think there were times when, especially uh, there's a, a couple I started seeing pretty regularly. And there were times when she was just like, okay, you need to chill. <laughs> so like when I say it took it too far, not in a bad way, but like finally the woman was like, I'm fine. Just calm down. <laughs> Please calm down. It's fine. Um, so yeah, that was, that was an interesting thing I, I noticed when I started, like I said, playing in that space. That's really pretty funny <laughs> and really sweet that you had such, uh, you had your attention so much on that dynamic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like that feels really, um, nourishing actually like that, you know, I, because I think like you said, there is something in, I, I feel like in mainstream culture, threesomes are seen as tawdry or somehow, mm-hmm. I don't know what the word is, but like cheap or something like that. And in my experience, um, talking to other people who regularly play, like with other people, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that. Like in responsible relationships, open relationships or monogamous relationships, like you were saying, it actually feels really loving. And it feels like there's a lot yeah. of um, holding of like feeling people's feelings and like, you know, are you okay? Are we okay? Like, I don't know. It just feels much more um, held than some cheap experience that, you know, they show on TV or like, like like in real life with people that are actually responsible about it, it feels, it feels so different. It just, the quality of it feels different. Absolutely. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's part of that communication I was talking about. Um, when you, when you do this, you know, and then there are drunken threesomes that happen and then people regret them the next day and then it's awkward and those things happen. Those are, those have not been for the most part, my experiences. Um, I think that the reason it is, has been such a loving experience for me most of the time is that because of that communication I mentioned, like you have to talk through things, whether you're, whether you're a part of the couple or you're the third. Um, for me, I've been being the third, I want to be a part of the communi- the conversation just as much as the other two. Like, and I think that, especially for me now, um, spending more time with a, one specific couple um, who I've, I've seen regularly. And, you know, that, I think that that affection and that care for the other person, I think it ex- starts extending beyond the couple. Um, like I, I care very much for both of the people in this relationship. Um, and I think they care for me. And so I think, yeah, that, that tawdriness, I guess it's so, it's so what you see on TV. It's not, it's not real, especially not if you're, if you're doing it consistently. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the same as, as quote, normal one-on-one partnered sex. I mean, you have, you can have a one night stand that you, you know, you're hung over the next day and you regret it, or you can have a committed, consistent sexual relationship with the same person. I think it's, I think it can be the same thing with threesomes um, or triads or whatever you want to call them. I think when three people find something that clicks or they click together, that's something that, you know, can be fulfilling and loving and yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, I, I just don't see it as much different than one-on-one partnered sex. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're going to start to wrap. I feel like we could talk about this for, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think I <laughs> actually have you back because there's, there's more I want to ask about. Um, but as we're starting to wrap, I'm wondering, um, was there anything that you, like standing from where you are now in terms of your, your sexual journey, what are you, what are you wanting or looking for now? Cause you've had a lot of experiences that many people will never have. And I'm curious what your mm. personal desire is around your, your sexuality as you're moving forward. First of all, what you just said makes me so sad. Um, <laughs> um, I have I have so enjoyed my experiences and in the fact that, you know, you say there are people out there who will never have the experiences I have. That makes me sad. Um, I, I like to, I don't know. I, I like to hope that people, even if they're in partnered monogamous relationships, that they leave a window open for experiences that they don't, that, you know, that they kind of want, but have never verbalized. Like, I want, I want people to have some of the experiences I've had, but to answer your question, um, I don't know for sure. Um, I, I am not ready. I I think right now in my life, I'm still not actively looking for uh, a monogamous relationship. I I don't know if monogamy is ever on the table for me again, never say never. Um, but I think from what I've learned, um, and what I've experienced, uh, I, I, I just thoroughly enjoy, um, playing with others and experiencing other people. And I, I think I feel strongly that it is very difficult to get everything you want out of one person and one person only. So I, I can't say what the future looks like exactly, but I think being either being with a partner who supports wanting to experience other people. Um, I think that that's probably the baseline. Um, yeah, just be, just being able to be open and play and experience new people and communicate, 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 communicate. That's what's in my future. A lot of communication, a lot of talking, um, hopefully a lot of sex too, but definitely a lot of talking. (laughs) That's great. And just to be clear, I think, um, this conversation and this podcast that that's my hope as well to sort of expand sexual perspectives and relationship perspectives so that more people can have more experiences they can feel more free, more expressed, um, better communication, you know, yeah, just more. So don't, more, be yeah. <laughs> we're part of the thing. <laughs> we're doing the thing. Yes. Good. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I like the goal of your podcast more and better sex. Yes. Exactly. Your tagline more yeah. sex, better sex. <laughs> yeah. And, and 
yeah, more and stronger relationships too. Cause like you said, I think it's something with other people also strengthened your relationship with your man, which I find inspiring. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. the fucking best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. That's like more sex, more exciting and like a stronger bond. Like that's, that's win-win. And, and proof of, uh, you know, proof against what I was saying earlier. You absolutely, if, if given the right partner and the right set of circumstances, you actually, you actually can learn more about yourself being in a relationship if you, if you're given the freedom to do so. So. Oh, I like that. That's a cool full circle. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to wrap there. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.